It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to a special uh, edition of the 94 NBA podcast. Um, we have a special guest, obviously most of you, especially those of you on NBA Twitter will be familiar with Jackson Frank, um, probably familiar with his writing uh, on the 76ers for The Athletic or Liberty Ballers um, and you know doing some general NBA writing for The Step Back as well. Um, Jackson, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, just got done watching a really exciting uh, Sixers jazz game and uh, Obviously, there was the, the Celtics-Raptors game, too, so I feel like you couldn't really go wrong with whichever early, I guess early on the West Coast for me, early uh, game, you, game you pick tonight. Um, so just a really, really good way to kick off a weekend of basketball. That is true. That's one of the best parts about recording on a Friday night is we usually record right after or sometimes during like some of these great Friday night games. By the way, Corbin, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Hanging. <laughs> Had to be a part of this, you know, monster all-star team-up pod. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into this. Um, so we have a special guest, but we're still doing our normal Twitter mailbag segment to start the show. Um, we've got a lot of questions. We're probably not going to get to all of them, um, but we got some interesting ones. And I'll start off um, with a question from someone all of us uh, are familiar with, Justin Carter, at JustCarts on Twitter. And he says, he asks, what's the best case scenario for the new look Timberwolves? Um, I guess I'll start off. I think that I think the absolute best case scenario for them moving forward, and I'm kind of focusing on this year specifically, is that you get Carl Anthony Towns being just a beast on a nightly basis, something that really was kind of not unlocked, whether it's kind of his... Um, you know, his un- how uncomfortable he was playing with Jimmy Butler in that situation, his lack of aggression as, of being the guy. Um, but Butler's gone, and it's it's his team now. Um, so you get Towns being a beast on an nightly basis. You get Wiggins, you know, I'm kind of all out on Wiggins, but the best-case scenario if we're talking about it is him basically doing what we've expected from him is just play somewhat solid D on a consistent basis and be a go-to scorer. Um, and then you look at the role players and just have them fill their role perfectly, knocking down threes when they have them, playing some tough defense, um, which doesn't really happen on this team ever. Um, and I think even in a best-case scenario, they're still like a 6-8 to eight seed in the playoffs, given the Western Conference, how tough it is. And given just, besides Towns, um, I can't really rely on Wiggins. You're kind of you know, limited on, on talent and upside of guys who can just take over games. So that, that would be my best case scenario for this season specifically. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess this season I would share a lot of similar sentiments. I'd say truthfully long-term, I think uh, the best case scenario might be actually miss, missing the playoffs because mm-hmm. maybe then, maybe then you get a, a, a more modern coach in there uh, with Thibodeau uh, on his way out or something like that, just because I think there's a lot of uh, offensive potential with the Dario Saric and, uh, Carlton Towns front court, I think would be really fun, even if it has some issues defensively. Um, but yeah, in the short term, I, I think it's it's Towns kind of goes back to the to the way he was in his sophomore year when he averaged twenty five and twelve, um, and then he keeps keeps doing his thing from beyond the arc, and uh, Sarge kind of picks it back up. I know he, got, he was off to a pretty slow start in Philly um, as he kind of gets his legs under him, and then Covington. There's no there's no real worry about him at all. He's just going to do his thing as a as a uh, elite defender um, and, and three three and D guy, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with I would agree with all, with all those. But yeah, in the short term, I guess I would see their ceiling as kind of that 
that five to eight range, but they're playing better now. I mean, they're they're up twenty on the Blazers in the fourth quarter with like three minutes to go or two minutes to go. Now they're up nineteen, um, so they're going to win that game. That'll be three in a row, uh, two against solid teams in the Pelicans and the Blazers. So starting to really pick it up here. I think uh, I don't know exactly what Towns' line is looking like, but obviously he's proven to play a lot better with with Butler uh, elsewhere. So I think him kind of regaining his All Star form is going to be really important for them. And uh, I mean, it clearly seems like they're kind of picking it up and. Uh, it'd be interesting to see when once they kind of get into the, the later stage of the year and they kind of need a go-to score from the perimeter if if they can have a guy like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I would agree with all the points you made and that they're kind of the, that five to eight range in terms of ceiling. But long term, you kind of hope they find someone who can really unleash the full talents of uh, Towns and, and Sarge front court. Oh yeah, I definitely agree with both of you. I think for me. Right now, I think yeah, I'm more on the side of, as far as them being more like six to eight. I would say just seven to eight, really, because I just like the strength of the teams out there. And I don't know about the ceiling this year, at least with just Towns and Wiggins. I think there has to be the other third piece there. But I like – I think that if um, Dario Saric and Robert Covington fit in, they fit in pretty nice the last couple of games. I wish Saric had more of a, a defined role, and they figured that out with um, Anthony Tolliver as far as the – the, the setting with um, those two. And I think that really comes down to, as Jackson said, the coaching and probably getting a more modern coach, just <laughs> a better coach, you know, in there, in that picture. But yeah, the town's been playing way better. So being the beast on the nightly basis is kind of the, the name of the game. He hasn't had the most efficient um, night so far. I mean, he had 14 and nine so far and six of 15 shooting. Yeah. But before that three straight monster games, what against Sacramento, <laughs> almost a 40 and 19, a 25 and 21, a 25 and 16. So basically just keep doing that. Keep being what we <laughs> from you. And then if Wiggins, who uh, I still have some hope on him, I think I'm, if, if, if you're an ex Laker from like 2015 or you're Andrew Wiggins, I'm still on your, <laughs> so, I mean, if he just stops shooting long twos and just keeps, you know, shooting threes and at least tries to be if you're going to be even just a score and nothing else be like the best version of that you can be don't just be like a scorer who can do some scoring and nothing else i think if he if those two figured out that way then you know like like you said i'm jacks jackson probably five to eight but uh, i'm I'm interested to see uh if they if a good coach can kind of uh unleash and and lock into uh wiggins like good tendencies i kind of agree with eric i'm not super on him ever being something really good but i think he definitely has some some strengths. I mean, he's shooting like 42% from three, but because he shoots so many long two this year, I think I saw that like his, his true shooting percentage is like 51%, which is just uh, horrid for a guy who's shooting over 40% from three. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can find a guy uh, that can kind of tap into uh, Wiggins' full skill set and, and preach modern uh, basketball, because you look at Budenholzer, I mean, he's kind of transformed uh, the Bucks' offensive shot selection, especially with, with Chris Middleton, really used to like the mid-range, and now he's shooting a lot more threes. So if you can find a coach like that who kind of makes sure that Wiggins shoots a lot more spot spot threes and attacks the rim rather than settling for those long twos, maybe we see him become an impact player. But yeah, in, in the short term, it's going to be tough to really see him provide positive value as long as uh, Thibodeau's there and kind of not really locking in and, and finding his, his key role uh, on offense. One thing I have to add about the Timberwolves, it, it seems like my man, Anthony Tolliver, who if anyone's listened to any episode of this podcast over the past like two months knows how much I love Anthony Tolliver. Yeah. It looks like he's out of the rotation, which is really making me sad. Uh, I think they should just cut Dang out of the rotation, put, play Gibson as the backup five um, with Tolliver at the backup four and then Musar to the four in starting lineup. But that's just me, um, and that's because I want to see Anthony Tolliver because I actually need his, his floor spacing. But that's my final thing on the Timberwolves. I have one. Hey, I, w- I, I wonder if if they are if they're maybe they're playing Dang for a little bit to look to look to move him or something. 
Um, but yeah, I would agree with that rotation decision to play play De- uh, not Dan Gibson at the backup five and then let Tolliver get get more minutes because uh, I like him too. But yeah, it was kind of a, a bummer that he's been a casualty of that trade. But I'll let Corbin uh, speak uh-huh. his truth now. Oh, I was really, I was about to just repeat some of what you said for some value. It's like listen, if he's a sweetener, like and I do this weird thing on two K two if it's a player I want to get rid of, but like I can't find him. I'll just put a lot of minutes and try to make him look really good. And like, hey, yeah, you know the contract sucks. But look what he can do in like 20 minutes. No, but um, I, I really, I really wish they put Saric in, as you said, at the four alongside Towns. I really think he's a, a, a better, or let's say, a sneakier passer than people give him credit for. And I think you could do a lot of um, high-low action with him and Towns, as far as being one of the the few people on that team aside from what Jeff Teague and maybe Rose. I don't even like the way Rose gives the ball to Towns in the post, as far as like a solid entry pass, you know? And <laughs> Sarge had some... I didn't watch a lot of the 76s, but I do know from what I did see that when Sarge did give the ball to Embiid, it was pretty much a solid, you know, pass from top... You know, you probably know better than me, but it wasn't like a, 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 a train wreck passing-wise. So Yeah, think- Sar- Sarge is a good passer. I think it, it might work off the bench, too, if they let him kind of run some bench units. Um, he's pretty good from the elbows and stuff with making passes, so I think Part of the reason he was moved in Philly just was because he couldn't show his full skill set with a ball ball dominant distributor like uh, like uh, Simmons. But but yeah, I I think it's going to be an interesting case moving forward for sure. Definitely. All right, so let me see. I, I think it's my turn for a question now. Uh, Let's Eric? do it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I, I should. I was going to do a fun. Actually, I'm going to do a Laker one because you know that's me. Um, this is from just uh, is it Josh? I got to find the right. One second. Ah. Uh, Freaking out. Okay, no, we're just going to do a different one. I'll find it when I get the, the right Twitter <laughs> handle and give the guy the proper credit. <laughs> All right, so this is um, another one from Just Carts because why not? Quick one. We'll kind of breeze through this. Is there anywhere Carmelo Anthony can actually go? China. I mean, he could probably average 50 a game there. I mean, he's not going to do it, but, I mean, it's China. For me, it's China – or retirement, if he's looking to like actually compete on a playoff team, um, I mean, he, he has no, there's no defense, there's no passing anymore. Like he, he did not pass the ball with the Rockets this season, um, and his scoring is inefficient. So you, you, you combine all those three negatives about his game, and, and what really, what playoff team actually needs that? I mean, teams well, that need shooting, uh-huh. I feel like could actually get it through someone else that won't like stunt their offense or expect some kind of significant role or just get all the attention around him. Like shooting, you can get a little bit easier and he's not even that good of a shooter anymore. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is yeah. he, the theory of the theory of him as a stretch forward can kind of just be instant offense is, is a little more appealing than what you actually see from him. And yeah, the Rockets yeah I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't actually, I don't have anything against Carmelo and I, I think it just gotten to the point where he's just not very good anymore. And that, that's totally fine. But uh, yeah, part of me just wants to see him find a team and ride out the rest of the year and, and kind of retire on his own terms. But t- to his credit, he's kind of, he's tried to adjust in terms of his scoring. He's really reduced his mid-range shots and increased his three-point frequency, but he's just not really the scorer he was even three years ago. Um, it's been a bummer to see, but yeah, I, I don't think there's really a, a spot for him on a, on maybe all the 20 teams that are competing for a playoff spot this year, which leaves 10, and then most of them are tanking, and uh, you don't really see him getting a lot of minutes over over young guys, and so it's, it's really tough to see him find a spot unless he was willing to just kind of be a, a mentor and and not not play a ton, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, why not come down to Phoenix with all the other? No, I'm fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, this is the thing. I just can't see him. He's 34. I mean, yes, he's old, and and I think in comparison to players like LeBron, who 
because of how long he's played and the level he's played, people are easily able to, oh, well, why isn't he playing like he was in his prime? Well, 34 in basketball is old. I mean, some people defy it, or in the case of Dwayne Wade, accept, like, lesser roles as they get older. And Carmelo just hasn't done that. I just don't I, – I think I'm more like with you, Jackson. I just don't want to see him just kind of, like, up and retire. Like, I feel there's something. I mean, there's not much left to give, but maybe a team like the Pelicans? And I say that because I was the same person who talked myself into thinking that Wesley Johnson could be the wing the Pelicans needed when they made that trade for Alexia Jensen early in the year. Um, and I'm not saying the, the Pelicans are in desperate need of wings, but they do need someone who could just, like, fill that spot, like, straight up. Etwan Moore's been there. Um I think Solomon Hill as well, but I don't see why you wouldn't just give him a run. I mean, Alvin Gentry's a solid coach. He would give him some, some, I guess, put him in spots where he could kind of be successful, not really where they have to. He's not joining a scheme that's set up like Houston where it's like, you know, a straight threes and layups and it kind of goes against him. Like, I think I can see Carmelo Anthony's game fitting in there. Unfortunately, this isn't prime Carmelo Anthony. It's the 2018 version, and, and that version is not very good. But, I mean, is there any reason why he couldn't fit on that team? I mean, he's not really – my only thing with that – is they could use bodies on the theoretical wing, but Melo really yeah. at this point isn't a wing. Like, I don't know. You could play him a small forward, and the Rockets did, but that was mainly because they had a lot of injuries. Um, like, you, you don't really want him guarding wings. Like, you want him guarding, like, power forwards at this point. I mean, you don't really want him guarding anybody, and he's not going to do it. I was it, about but, to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I was like, <laughs> I mean, it, it would, I guess, like, if, if you had to, you know, force me to choose a playoff team, that sh- like could actually get you know go for Carmelo Anthony. I guess I would put the Pelicans in that group, but theoretically, I if I were the Pelicans, I just wouldn't because he's not going to play any defense and he really can't guard wings. And they've got enough big guys in the front court. Um, you can get a small small role there, but I don't know if he's going to want that. Yeah, my worry is that he'd basically be the third string power forward there behind Meritich and Randall because they mm-hmm. like to play Randall at both both spots. If anything, the Pelicans really need a back a, a better backup five behind. AD because Randall's Randall can play both spots, but I think they prefer to have him kind of mix between both rather than being a full time five. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's tough for me to see see that that working uh, just because he he probably wouldn't play more than ten to twelve minutes a night, and uh, it doesn't. It seems like he still wants to play somewhere, and I think as as Eric kind of said a little bit jokingly, but, but truthfully, that he probably needs to go somewhere uh, in the NBA if he wants to continue playing twenty five to thirty minutes a night. It's true. Um, all right, let's move on to our, our next question. This one is definitely from Josh Quinnell. And I, I think the Lakers one that you were about to get to, Corbin, we can do it a little bit later, is also from Josh. Um, cool. Thank but you. this awesome. one is from Josh Cornelson of the 94, of course. Um, and he asked, out of Memphis, Sacramento, and the Clippers, who is more likely to make the playoffs? Uh, I'll let one of you take it first. Ooh, that's tough. Um, I, I, I have to throw out Sacramento. Uh, I just wow. think, I know obviously I think I think it's I think it's tough that I mean I think a lot of times with these with these types of hot starts or slow starts we kind of let our our preseason perceptions of, of things affect us and I think that's that's definitely the case with Sacramento but I just don't think they have enough talent to keep this going uh, I like I like a couple of the young pieces De'Aaron Fogg has really uh, taken a step forward uh, I I was kind of down on him I think a lot of people were after his, his rougher year I I I gotta go uh, Los Angeles I think. Um, I, I've been able to catch a few of their games. Uh, obviously, I played the Sixers once, and I, I caught a couple couple recently, and I've just been really impressed. Um, I think Doc Rivers has turned into a really good coach after maybe being a little overrated in Boston. Um, for Memphis, I'm a little worried just because I think uh, Conley hasn't been great and Gasol uh, is good, but he's still still aging. I worry that at any point if one of those guys goes down, they're really going to struggle. Um, but I just really like what the Clippers have. They have they're a veteran-laden team, but they're not too old. Uh, their best players are all kind of in their prime. 
Uh, I get there's the the risk with Danilo Gallinari going down every now every. There's kind of an, there's kind of an all there's a risk always there with him, but I like what they have. Tobias Harris is really good. Uh, Shea Gilders Alexander continues to get better every game. It seems like uh, I really liked him in the pre-draft process, but I didn't even think he'd be this good. Um, and I just think they have a good a good roster that's really complimentary. They move the ball well. They have good coaching. Uh, their offense, I think, has been top ten in efficiency, which I didn't see coming. Um, and I just think there's there's not really a risk for any of their their really really key pieces to go down. Um, I think as Patrick Beverly kind of works himself back into to shape after missing a whole year. He'll continue to get better. Um, I just really like the way they play, and um, I, I just have a tough time believing that the other two hot starts have been sustainable. But but I'm not necessarily going to reject either of those teams continuing to play well. Yeah, yeah I got, you go uh, ahead. Go fault. ahead. Oh, okay. Now I was going to jump right on that and agree. <laughs> so get out the way early. But I mean, Sacramento's been playing. I, I had no expectation for them to even be where they are now, no matter what kind of schedule or how surprising they've been. But they've really exceed expectations and it looks like it's not an orlando magic last year exceed expectations like there's something here tangible that you can move forward with and 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 take reason for optimism unlike you know orlando where the hot shooting was fun and looked cool but you knew (laughs) it was going to go down pretty hard um memphis and eric knows as well we were doing our uh our podcast training camp, as I called it, when we did our division previews, and I was so low on Memphis, man. It was it was crazy. I was like, you know, they're old. There's injury concerns. They could all regress. I don't like their offense. And mind you, some of what I said was very true. Their offense, I mean, still is what bottom ten. Like it's, it's bad. It's, not, it's, it's really bad. Yeah, it's, it's not pretty. And um, I still think the injuries and, and, and regression is always a thing when you're dealing with what a 31 year old Mike Conley, a 33 going on 34 year old Marcus Saul. But when those two play. And they're together, man. They got magic. I mean, they're, they're still there. They're still playing really good basketball together. And they're doing the grit and grind, which I said was dead several times. <laughs> and apparently it's had a resurgence in 2018 after uh, three years away. So that's good to see. And their defense is still stringy. Like, it's still there. So, I mean, they're, they're interesting. I don't think they make it just because I think in this day and age, in this NBA, defense is great. But offense is going to ultimately win out. And I think when you're relying on the defenders that the Grizzlies are relying on, you have to play a team – well, not just a team like Houston or a team like Golden State, but really any team with either a dominant offensive player or a well-balanced offensive team, offense is just going to ultimately take over, especially if you can't score on the other end to even the gap. So that's why I'm going with LA. Yeah, I am also going with the Clippers. We had a we had a very <laughs> <laughs> we had a very similar question, Corbin. I think it was the the question was between Memphis and the Clippers. I think it was like two weeks ago. Someone asked basically who was going to make the playoffs out of these two teams. Right, um, yeah. And I picked the Clippers, and I'm still picking the Clippers. You know, like everyone, both of you said strong depth. I think that the the fact that they're a more well rounded team, they're eighth offensively and fourteenth defensively. Um, kind of you know doesn't concern me compared to like the Grizzlies, who are obviously relying on that incredible defense but you know that bottom 10 offense um and like you said it's really interesting because offense is king in the in today's nba it's what everyone says and and this grizzlies team is like going completely against that so i'm really interested to see just basically how far an elite defense can carry you you know in the regular season and if they make the playoffs how far you can make it in the playoffs um but just this stat that i saw in, in an article from the ringer today when the grizzlies starting five which is gasol conley a, reju- a rejuvenated Garrett Temple, uh, Kyle Anderson, and, and Jaron Jackson Jr., when those five have shared the floor, they have scored 91.5 points, 100 <laughs> possessions. Wow. Um, <laughs> for reference, oh for reference, the Hawks currently have the worst offense in the league 
and that is almost 10 points per 100 possessions more than that Grizzlies starting five. <laughs> um, what's, that, their, what's their defensive rating? Their defensive rating has to be insane or something. Right? Honestly, I got to pull up the article again. Yeah, the, 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 the thing is that they have a positive net rating in that in that starting five, which just goes to <laughs> yeah. show that their defense is, is actually just, like, insane with that starting lineup. And they've got players like Garrett Temple's having a career year at age, like, 32, I 33, think. 33, yeah. 33. Um, he's, he's good. Like, they, the Sacramento yeah. just gave him away for a – I don't even know what that trade was. I know it was revolving around – was it Deontay Davis? Ben, ben and, yeah. and Ben Deontay McLemore. Deontay Davis yeah. in the second-round pick in 20 – Yeah, like, uh, Garrett Temple's a solid player. Like, I, I, I tweeted out something I always thought, like, were good free agent targets for the Sixers, and I put Temple on there. Like, I know Eric, he wrote an article this summer about how he, he can handle the ball and be mm-hmm. maybe he's a little bit underrated passer. He can shoot, he can defend. Like, he's just a solid – player that any playoff team could use as a as a kind of an off-ball player and defender i love True. that trade think, when uh, they got i love that trade when they got him and wait before you go i i pulled up the stat <laughs> their defensive rating with their starting five is 88.7 <laughs> which, which is, isn't which is good but it's not good like you're starting rate your starting lineup should have a better net rating than three point whatever yeah, right i mean that's yeah. i mean the defense <laughs> is insanely good and the offense is insanely bad <laughs> That's your 2018 Memphis because it's no fun. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, Jackson, you were trying to understand, make sense of that trade. I think anytime you have a chance to get, you know, a reclamation um, draft pick that you should never have gotten in the first place, you have to do it. And that's why the Kings went and got Macklemore, who I haven't even seen since he's been there. So I don't know if he's injured or am I just crazy, but you have to do it. You have to make that trade. Um, so, yeah, wait. I, but yes. they, already, they already went through the Macklemore <laughs> merry-go-round once. Like, they, uh, they drafted So nice you got to do it twice. <laughs> 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 you're right. You're right. Um, Apparently. Yeah, so uh yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna stick with the Clippers. I think like you said, Jackson, the Kings, like I love what they're doing. Like I love seeing the development from the young guys. I think they're just gonna fall back to earth a little bit. The young guys are gonna continue to develop. There'll be some kind of roadblocks in the way. I think the better teams will kind of get in their groove a little bit more as the season goes on and just the, the talent they'll just win out or lose out on, on a night to night basis. Um and the Grizzlies, the the age decline and the injury concerns for Conley and Gasol and just the fact that their offense is just so bad. I want to see how much they can actually do with their defense. I'm sticking with the more well-rounded team that has a lot of depth um, in the Clippers. I like and it. I think the Clippers have the, the best coach of the three, too. I know I, yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of Jaeger or, or Bickerstaff, and I think, as I said earlier, Rivers is, is proven himself to be pretty good, uh, especially after last year when they were in the playoff hunt for most of the year. So, yeah, I think all those factors, plus just having a better coach, generally, generally kind of gives a team an edge. And this is the first case I think you could make that a coach GM, which we all know just doesn't work. But let's say you just strip the GM title and don't just knock the coach altogether. Maybe he could just focus on his strength, what got him hired in the first place, and then, you know, be successful like that. And Doc Rivers has just been always from, what, the early 2000 Magic teams, just been really good with rosters that are, like, sneaky deep, but, like, strong on scrappy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely. So, okay, so here's the, here's the interesting one. I think it's going to take us a little time that you want. At least for me it did, but I have um, unorthodox rankings here. Um, from our guy Scott Levine, at Scott Levine, centers <laughs> you would take ahead of Jared Allen. Um, Wait, can I, I preface yeah. this? I, yeah. He at, when I saw this question on Twitter, and he had mentioned that there was a previous podcast or something where I said that Jared Allen, I, I, I said that I don't think I could take 10 centers over Jared Allen. I, I don't remember saying... Put your money ex- where your mouth is. I don't remember saying that exactly. <laughs> I remember saying he was in the top half of the league, like the top 15 of starting centers. I don't remember saying he, that he's top 10, and I actually went through it and can name like 10 guys I take over him. Yeah, Jokic, See? AD, uh-huh. if we're counting him as a center, which I do, um, Embiid, Horford, Towns, Gobert, Capella... I think Marcus Gasol this year, probably the last year I'd say I'd take Gasol over Allen, given wow. his decline. Um, Steven Adams, I'd take over um, 
uh, Jared Allen. I think I'd still take uh, Andre Drummond over Jared Allen. Um, and then it gets to like this really tough group. And I honestly, I was going to say, I th- I think Drummond might be the inflection point for for me. He just definitely off the top of my head. is because the next couple guys I came up with was basically Allen, Nurkic. Miles Turner has been disappointing. Um, DeAndre Jordan, Hassan Whiteside, and Jonas Valanciunas. Like that, I feel like is like the next group. And honestly, Javale McGee. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Listen, he's. I mean, got to give him some credit for this year at least. Um, but honestly, Allen and Drummond to me is, is as close to a toss up as it can get. Um, I think. I mean, I, I'm fine if people put Drummond over Allen. I think I probably might have him just like the slightest edge over Allen, but it kind of like interchangeable there. I think Allen is basically right. I still think he's in the top 15 of starting centers. Uh, I think he's somewhere in that group of like the second tier or third tier kind of guys. Yeah, no, I, so I guess, do we, will we put Ibaka in there? Cause he's been playing full-time five hmm, yeah. now and he's been yeah. fabulous this year. Has to um, I, I think I might take uh, Valanciunas over him. I really like Valanciunas. Uh, I know he's kind of a, a throwback center, um, but I just think he's a really solid player and kind of has been overshadowed by those, some of those really good Raptors teams. But yeah, I'd say that's kind of that'd be my cutoff somewhere in the top thirteen or fourteen. Um, I kind of have to go. I have to have a list right in front of me, but um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it, it depends. I you could throw Brooke Lopez in there too. Um, I think Lopez has been phenomenal. Um, obviously, this, the counting stats aren't huge, but uh, teams always rebound better when he's on the floor. Um, he's turned himself into a stretch five, which is crazy to think about uh, four or five years ago when he's kind of just a, a good stats bad team guy. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I think I'd probably put him somewhere in that 12 to 15 range off the top of my head. Um, I'd take him over Whiteside. Uh, I take, I probably take him over Drummond. Um, just cause I think there's, there's more room for upside and growth. Um, obviously I know we're kind of just talking like currently, but I still think, especially with a guy who's only a hundred games into his career, um, he could be, he could be significantly better in, in 20 games than he is now. Uh, whereas Drummond, we kind of know what he is. Um, limited defender, really good rebounder, pretty good passer, um and not not a lot outside of that so um yeah i I, it's tough for me to i I would agree with all the ones you said um and then drummond would kind of be the spot for me uh drummond lopez that kind of area would be where i I really start to have to have some uh have some deep thoughts about it i guess yeah again i mean i hate being third come right behind and agreeing with both you guys but (laughs) i would (laughs) i would have to do that i mean I would take him probably over, like, well, yeah, he'd probably be in the middle. Because I'm thinking of, like, other centers who haven't been named, like Nikola Vucevic or Dwight Howard. But Oh, I'm, no, uh, no Dwight I, Howard. No listen, Dwight listen, Howard. listen, I said Dwight Howard, I immediately went, uh, so like, I get it, I get it. <laughs> I, I think I would still take Vooch over him. Vooch is, Vooch is really good. I'll, I'll uh, just say, I don't think he gets enough credit just playing in Orlando. Yeah, Same I mean, they've, I've watched both both Sixers Magic game this year, and uh, he's killed the Sixers both times, so he's, he's awesome. I know a lot of people have been say, saying it, but it'd be fun to see him get on a, a good team, but... Uh, on a unrelated note, the Magic are eighth in the eighth in the East. Uh, I know it's early, but they're seven and eight, and they've been playing better. Uh, so maybe he maybe he'll get to play them in the playoffs this year. Uh, probably not. Cause I think the Wizards are gonna Wizards and Heat will figure it out. But anyways, back to Jared Allen. <laughs> um, I mean, you no, go ahead. You go. No, no, I was gonna say yeah, it's a, it's a question. He's gonna grow a lot into it. And what's funny, I do think I remember you saying something oddly similar, Eric, but I have to listen to old podcasts to, to make I, sure. You didn't say it in exactly that lingo. I'm not going <laughs> to say like word for word, but it was something. Cause I remember thinking, Hmm, that's interesting. But I think you were just kind of generalizing, you know what I mean? Like he would be in the top half of center or something like that. But I, yeah. I think I said, he, I think, I think I said he's close to the top 10 already. I think it was sometime in the off season. Yeah, um, you probably got hyped up. You got too hyped up. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I mean, I mean, the other thing about Jared <laughs> Allen is that, 
like he gets a smaller role for the most part than a, the bunch of other guys that you named. Like he's playing a career high in minutes. It's 26 per game this year. Last year he only played 20 minutes per game. So I mean, I want to see when he gets the 30 minutes per game um, and see what he can do there. But I think he's. I mean, I definitely have him in the top half of starting centers in the league. And I think by this time next year he's probably he might be in the top 10. I mean, he's got that Capella like game where he's just basically focusing on defending the rim and running the rim himself and setting screens and getting alley-oops and getting, you know, putbacks on the offensive end. So, I mean, that's pretty valuable, especially if the team is set up like the Nets are, like the Rockets are with a lot of ball handlers and space in the floor and just jacking up the threes and, you know, getting all the space for their shooters. So I think he's got a lot of value. He's got potential. Um, you know, I want to see what the Nets do building around him and, you know, Karis Levert and everything like that and see how big his role can get moving forward. But I think he's close to the top 10. He's definitely in the upper half for me. Yeah, I was going to say, unlike a lot of young guys, he's not really a future part of the Nets offense, which is predicated on on guards and shooting, uh, which you just you mentioned. But, but yeah, I, I, I really like him. Uh, I'm curious to kind of see how he can evolve as kind of a, a shot creator. Um, I think he's a pretty solid passer, especially on the role. He's averaging 2.4 assists per, per 36 minutes, um, which is double what he averaged last year, 1.2. Uh, and his assist rate is, is basically double last year. So, yeah, I really like what, he, what he's doing, and he's – He's doing all that, as you said, kind of just a, an ancillary an ancillary piece uh, in, in Brooklyn. All right, let's move on to another question. This is from at report underscore court from Twitter. Um, and they ask, which current three seed, um, when he asked this, was Pacers and Trailblazers, in their respective conferences, has the better shot at remaining in the top four by the end of the season? Who wants to well, I don't, know if the Blazers, I don't know if the Blazers are there anymore, uh, just because they got, that got spanked tonight by the Wolves. Uh, yeah, but true. Oh, they are still there. Excuse me. They're, I'm just checking. Sure, yeah, they, they are. are ha- they're half a game up on on the Clippers and, and Thunder. Uh, and all of a sudden the Thunder are playing well again after their okay, four. Okay, so I'm just about to say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I would I'm gonna go Blazers. Uh, just because I think the six Celtics and Sixers <gasps> just have more talent. Uh, than the Pacers. I'm nothing against the Pacers. They've I think they've done a really good job to kind of rebound. After trading Paul George last summer, obviously Oladipo helped, but I like like what they're doing. I just don't think they have quite enough high end talent around Oladipo. Um, watching that that Celtic, or not Celtic, excuse me, Sixers Pacers game last Wednesday, uh, it's just so clear how much of an offensive uh, burden Oladipo has, and you saw it last in the playoffs against the Cavs. So I kind of worry there. Um, whereas with with the Blazers, I think I think the three seeds kind of up for grabs. Um, I think there's maybe some teams that have a better chance, like the like the Jazz and and uh, the Thunder, like Corbin was saying. Um, but I don't think it's it's totally outlandish to think that Lillard keeps doing his thing. Uh, McCollum uh, keeps falling out. I know I think McCollum's stats haven't been great overall this year, and maybe he kind of finds finds his rhythm. Um, I just think it's more likely that uh, the Blazers are are legit as a as a three seed than, than the Pacers because I think there's not quite enough talent for uh, the Pacers to to kind of keep. Keep keep doing what they're doing, um, and plus I think Stevens and, and Brown are better coaches than uh, McMillan. Whereas I think Stotts is is arguably as I don't think he's as good as Snyder, but I think he's better than Donovan and uh, is one of the better coaches in the in the West. Um, obviously, I'm, I might be a little biased because the Blazers are my my team, um, but I just have a tough I just have a tough time seeing um, the Pacers uh, beat the Celtics, Sixers, or Bucks. Any of those three. Um, but I, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's a tough argument either way, which is why this is a good, good question, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Ad Report underscore Court. That was a tough one. Um, and I said that because I wasn't going to answer it. No. Um, I think <laughs> I was, I, I was going to try to make a case for Indiana, but I really just can't do it because you're right. If you line them up, you know, 
matchup, man for man against Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston. I, I don't see it. I, I mean, maybe they have – no, Milwaukee's system is <laughs> too good. And Giannis is – yeah, it'd have to be the Blazers because at least there's a lot more um, – <laughs> there's a lot more uh, like an unsettling kind of nature as far as those teams that could be there. And the Trailblazers are, are, are a solid enough team that they could hold off, you know, and, and stick around the top four where, yeah, I mean – the paces are as solid a five as there is. Like, yeah. Wow, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't have much to add. I mean, I also am taking the Blazers. Um, you guys pretty much said everything that I had. Um, Sixers talent, I think, will win out over them over the course of the season. The Celtics will overtake them. Um, I just think the top four in some order will be Raptors, Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers. And the Pacers can be a close fifth, but I don't think they'll be in the top four. Meanwhile, the Blazers... You know, they've been a, a good, reg- a very good regular season team, you know, for a while. Um, they've got the recipe to win a lot of regular season games, um, and they're playing well. Um, and they're led by, you know, two top guards and one, you know, alpha scorer to kind of take over and close games for them, which is, you know, very good in the regular season. So, yeah, I'm taking the Blazers. The, well, they were they were playing well. Now they've, yeah, they've <laughs> yeah, gotten well. their, their butts kicked in back-to-back games. But I don't know if this is good or not, but they have the Wizards uh, on Sunday. And the Wizards um, got their again, butts they... kicked by the Nets tonight at home, so. Um, but they are also one of the, they were the, the, when the Wizards were what, one and seven or whatever, one and eight, they were the, the only one they had was against the Blazers <laughs> at home. So I don't know if that's a good game for them. Um, but Wizards and Knicks coming up, so hopefully they can kind of, uh, write the ship for, for my sake. Um, cause then they have the Bucks and Warriors on, on tap. And I don't know what I would do if they were 10 and nine after being 10 and three. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we're all kind of in agreement that there's just too much talent in the East to, for the Pacers to secure a top three seed. When have we ever said in a long time too much talent in the East? I'm sorry, like, like pause. That's 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 a that's, we have to take a moment and, and, and appreciate that. <laughs> right. Too much too much talent in the top five. Top there you, okay. Top yeah. eight. Then it's like you're gonna have like a 38 win team in the seventh seed, and they're gonna get absolutely destroyed by the Celtics or the Bucks or the Raptors, whoever gets that second seed or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, top five is is looking really good this year. It's, it's fun. Oh yeah, for real, for real. All right, so and I, you gotta help me out here. Eric. This was probably I think from Josh too. Um, should have done a better job labeling these. Do any of these rookie class stand as long term solutions to their prospective teams? I can't remember who this question is from at all. Okay, so I'm not the only one. Slide. Okay, good. We're good. Okay, hey, whoever you are, man, we appreciate you. We yeah. got your question right here. Um, I am going to say I like. I mean, what the first five? I'm gonna say sit, no. I'm gonna say five. First five is pretty good. Um. I've been big on DeAndre Ayton since before draft, saying you'd rather Doncic, even though I now want to just take that back. However, (laughs) while while slightly doing that, I still want to keep pumping him up because I was so in this corner before, I got to stay the course. Um, I think he's the perfect guy for Phoenix. I mean, they still need so much other, you know, um, places to fill as far as position of need is concerned. Basically everywhere but shooting guard and center. But I think with those two, you're set. And he's had solid enough counting stats um, definitely defensively needs to put a lot of work in, but I don't think as much as he's been just being slammed all over Twitter for. Like, there's been a few – I mean, there's there's not a few plays. There's more than a few plays where he's not there. But I think he's a rookie big man. They, they don't just come ready-made with defense there. They kind of grow with that. So I think he'll, he'll fill in as he uh, plays more. But I like that. I still like that pick for Phoenix. I'm just going to stop. Uh, Corbin, what about what about Shea Gildas-Alexander? Is he a guy you think could – could, uh... See right? That, that's that's how insane this rookie Ooh, class is. You got I, a guy who was drafted 11. Ah, he, that's true. <laughs> okay, as long as we agree that maybe Colin Sexton wasn't the pick for Cleveland. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. I can't sleep on him. He's been literally the the best. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Great point. <laughs> 
You know, it's it's a it's a good question because there's a lot of guys you can just give praise to. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree that I mean I think Aiton obviously uh, hasn't been great defensively, but uh, I haven't checked in a while. But last time I did check, I know they Phoenix have been a lot better with him on the court. Um, he's averaging like 16 and 10 and, and two and a half on 63 percent true shooting, uh, which is just kind of nutty uh, yeah. for a team that's lacking a primary facilitator. Um, but yeah, I would go. I would still go Aiden. I would go. Um, Bagley's interesting. I don't. I think a lot of people uh, that most of us interact with on NBA Twitter have all kind of been low on Bagley. Um, I I don't know if he's a long term solution. I think he's an NBA player. Um, I will say that I think he is a guy who can bring you energy um, and kind of just score in transition and do stuff like that and run pick and rolls. But I don't know if he's a guy in four years that we're looking back on who's. Uh, second a second time All Star for the Kings, so I would have a little bit of hesitancy there. But uh, so I'm trying to pull up uh, the NBA draft list because, like I said, I don't, I don't want to forget someone that I uh, <laughs> like Shea Gilders Alexander. Um, <laughs> How about Bamba? But, uh, Anything about Bamba? Oh, sorry, my bad. No, you're good. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Doncic, Jaron Jackson, um, Trey Young. I would all give them. Um, I would all say they are going to be cornerstones for a while. Bamba's interesting. Uh, he's got a long way to go, but I think he's, he's shown some flashes. Um, I don't think I would feel comfortable saying he's a long-term solution. I uh, I think there's a lot of upside there, but there's also a lot of room for growth with that upside. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, I've been singing his praises since May, and I think he's been nothing short of phenomenal, especially defensively. Um, and also a team that doesn't have a great uh, primary facilitator. And then um, I think... I think Mikhail Bridges is a guy who I don't think he's ever going to be a the star, uh, but he wasn't really drafted to be that. I would give him. Uh, I would give ten through twelve. All, all three of those guys, Bridges, both Bridges and, and uh, Gilders Alexander, all three are guys that I think can be can be really important. But yeah, <laughs> see, it's not it's not even knock on you. This class this class is just ridiculously deep, uh, and we haven't even seen two of the top sixteen picks yet in uh, Porter Jr. and, and Zaire Smith. Um, so yeah, I, I would that would be the only guys I think in terms of the. The top, uh, we'll just go lottery. Um, the the top fourteen that I wouldn't feel comfortable with would be, I guess not only, but uh, Porter, Jerome Robinson, Knox, Sexton, Bamba, and Bagley. So I think that's six. But there's eight guys there that I would all feel confident. In three years we'd be talking about as stars or or key pieces, which I think is just uh, a testament to the depth of this uh, class. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think, and the, the question, you know, long-term solution, like, the solution doesn't have to be the guy. Like, it can be a, a key six-man yeah. or a key, you know, starter that's just, like, a role player that's, like, playing, like, 30-plus minutes a game but isn't, like, the guy. Um, and I think you've got a, a good amount of, of star-level guys in this draft. And then, you know, as you go down throughout the lottery, basically all the guys you mentioned um, – have that, you know, the potential to at least be solutions as like role players or six men or just key guys, three and D wings and things like that. So um, for the most part, I think what you got, what you said, you know, I think out of the top five, Bagley would be the guy that I'm kind of questioning. Um, you know, Aiton, I think, you know, he, he fills that big man board in Phoenix. I think Trey obviously is, is the, you know, leader of this Hawks rebuild. The team is, you know, they're planning to build a team around him. Jaron Jackson Jr. is in this weird situation where, as of right now, he's a solid support player, and then he's kind of the big man of the future after Gasol um, basically retires or leaves after probably next season. Um, you know, Doncic, obviously lead playmaker and scorer for the Mavs team that needs the creation, um, and he's kind of over quickly overtaken, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. in terms of, like, the potential and, you know, why people are watching the Mavs. Um, and then, like you said, you go down 
towards the end of the lottery, you got these guys that you know probably aren't going to be stars, but are going to be, I think, solutions like the role player solutions, which every team needs to have. Um, so I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, I'm still looking at, you know, end of the first round, I don't really see that many guys that could be like the role player solutions, like Kevin Herter for the Hawks, you know, figures to be the, the splash bros of the East, like everyone's been talking about, which is kind of getting a little bit annoying, but, uh, um, let's see. I mean, I don't really see anyone else that's like kind of solutions for, for yeah, their team. I, I love, I love Herter too. Uh, I will never know how to pronounce his name unless I ask him. So, <laughs> All right. uh, we'll, we'll call him, we'll call him Herter. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just going to get this off my chest. It really bothered me, the Clay Thompson com- comparisons. Um, one, because I think he's got a lot more playmaking ability than, than Thompson will ever have in two, because he's never going to have the defensive upside. Um, I just feel like people saw him and looked at uh, and saw a guy who could shoot the ball really well and, and was playing next to a guy who drew comparisons to Steph Curry and just called him Clay Thompson. Um, so that, re- that really irked me. Uh, no one in general that I'm calling out, but it just bothered me because I think they're beyond shooting. Uh, there wasn't a lot of similarities. But yeah, exactly. I didn't even, I didn't even get that far down the. I literally just went to. I think the last last guy I saw was Divincenzo. I looked, I looked to seventeen. I didn't even see uh, Herder, um, <laughs> which is just like I said, it's just ridiculous how how stacked this class is. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good point that it's a long term solution doesn't necessarily mean the star solution. You can a team can be missing a, a three and D wing, and then Mikael Bridges is your is your long term solution at that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. It's been tough because I mean I, I want to watch all these different rookies and I, I clearly can't do that all the time. Like right now, <laughs> right now Wendell Carter Jr. is playing and apparently he's playing well and it's like ah, uh, <laughs> so you, you want to just catch all these different guys that are uh, making the making an impact on their team. Yeah, what you're missing in that Bulls game is that Justin Holiday hit six threes in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> um, all right, the, yeah, the I think, other Holiday. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I think all right, we've hit on I think. A good amount of the questions, so uh, I think we'll wrap up the mailbag and we'll move on to um, not really a mailbag, but is it going to be a question game of, of buy or sell? Um, I came up with a decent amount of topics. Um, I'm just going to throw them out to you guys and, and see if you guys are buying or selling this. So the first one: the Rockets will be a top three seed in the West this season. Are you buying or selling that? I'm putting all my money down on <laughs> all of it, all my money. I don't know how much money I have in my bank account right now, but I'm putting all of it down. Uh, <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> I, I, I tweeted about this a little bit last night um, after they beat the Warriors, obviously, without Curry. But they're 6-3 they're and three with, with Chris Paul uh, and James Harden both on the floor. And without a third complimentary ball handler, that offense is just so, it's just so uh, stagnant when, the, when one of those guys isn't on the floor. And so when they've, in those games they've missed them, they just haven't looked good. And I, I just felt like uh, there was just some confirmation bias with, with them. We all knew they were going to regress. And so when they all, were off to bed, they're like, oh, look, they're not even good. And it's like... They're, they have two top 10 players, uh, top 15, whatever you want to call Chris Paul. Um, and I just think I just think now that they're healthy, they're finding their stride, um, they're going to be fine. I just think there's too much talent there for for three teams to to beat them. Um, and with their what, they're six and seven now or seven and seven or yeah. something like that. Um, so they're, I mean, I'm going to double check quickly, but I think they're like two and a half games or, or two games out of the out of the three seed right now. Um because they're yeah in, in, incurring some positive regression while other teams are kind of come back to earth. Um, yeah, they're seven and seven, so they are two and a half games behind uh, the Blazers for for third, uh, and two and a half behind the, the Nuggets for second. Um, so yeah, I just think there's too much talent there, and we kind of were, were way too reactionary with with our takes there um, because they just have they have reign MVP and a top top three or four point guard ever, even if he's not quite in his prime anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, let me jump in here. Uh, first of all, 
They are 7-7, seven, seven, like you said, two and a half games out of third. I'm going to run through the rest of their November schedule. Um, they play the Kings tomorrow at home, second night of a back-to-back for the Kings. They play a, a strange uh, home and away against the Pistons on Wednesday and Friday, which you almost never see in the NBA. Um, then they play the Cavs, the Wizards, the Mavericks, and the Spurs, and then December 1st is the Bulls. Those are They could honestly win all of those games. I'm not saying they're going to, but those are all very winnable games if they keep playing the way they have in the past week. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you said, I- I'm also buying this, um, and I'm definitely buying this if they, you know, all the reports are that Daryl Moore is still working to make some kind of addition, and I think if they get another wing um, that can hit threes and play some solid defense, like I'm de- I'm going all in on this. I think they could honestly go back to the second seed um, if they add someone to this rotation, but um, like you said, I mean, with this current rotation, they got rid of Melo. It's it's a, a really short rotation. Um, they're still kind of missing a couple of guys like Nene and Brandon Knight who could take a, cu- a couple of minutes here and there. Um, they really just need Harden and Paul to be on their games, you know, pretty much every night. Um, and the national media, which even people on NBA Twitter have not talked about how bad Eric Gordon has been to start this year. Like, he just came around a little bit the past couple of nights, but he was one of the worst players in the league, like over the first couple of weeks. And it happened to coincide with Harden missing time, Paul being suspended, James Ennis missing time, and a particularly hard start to the schedule, uh, a hard start to the season schedule-wise. Um, I think Gordon, obviously, you know, unless he just completely falls off a cliff, is going to start shooting better. Um, they'll get Nene and Knight back, which will at least help limit the minutes for the other key guys. Um, and I think their shooting is going to normalize. They're still shooting, you know, well below they did last year. Um, I think Harden and CP3 still have a little bit more to get into their groove. Um, and if they add another wing, I think they're very well back on that kind of 50 to 55 win pace. And if they add somebody else, I think they could be the second seed. Um, but even then, I, I'm still buying they'll be a top three seed. And I know Corbin has been very low on the Rockets since the, since the start of the season. Oh, my goodness. I've been <laughs> that, on. That's fair. That's fair. If, you, if you're low on them from the start, no issue. But there was the people that, that were like, oh, no, they're not any good. And it's like. All right. But anyways, I'll, I'll let yeah. you around the floor. No, I appreciate you giving me some credit there. Thank you. I've been, I'm trying to stay loyal to my takes. Um, <laughs> I, I I really thought I was a maverick in saying that, oh, a reason Bob Mute were going to have so much more of an impact. And mind you, you know, Bob Mute barely playing and Ariza just wasting away in Phoenix have done a little change how I feel in that sense, even though I knew, you know, let's say six games in that, okay, maybe that wasn't the most accurate of opinions. But yeah, I'm gonna have to begrudgingly also buy. I mean, <laughs> even even as slow as the Rockets have started, when they play to their full potential. So when when as um, you guys already pointed out, Eric Gordon just comes back from what has to be a career worst shooting slump for him. I can't think of anything in recent memory has been. I'm not recent memory, but just as far back as I can remember, Eric Gordon just shooting this bad from the field. Um, Paul was playing well before he even got suspended because some people were talking about early decline for him. Well. Maybe I explore the more colorful circles of NBA Twitter. But I did hear that a little bit, and I was like, that's not true. Um, yeah, if they're playing on their best every night, they get some healthy people back. Um, they, Like you said, add someone to their rotation. I'm not sure how that would happen, but yeah, they'll get number three. I mean, they're just too yeah, good Yeah, I, I, I think Eric was talking about how Daryl Morey is going to find more guys because, I mean, he he is. like they Signing Chris Paul, that long-term deal, is just signifying that like they're going to have to bite the bullet on that um, – in two years or whatever, but they're they're trying to win championships. So I think Maury is gonna is gonna find a guy or two uh, that kind of solidifies their wing rotation. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it, there were just some weird uh, some weird t- takes. I just feel like everyone everyone saw it. Hard as off to a slow start, and like oh yeah, like he's out of shape, like he's fat. Like we saw him partying over the summer. It's like 
Newsflash, like your favorite, your favorite player parties too. Like, <laughs> like we, we, we just see it because he lives in a big market. Like, I, I'm sorry. It's not even a knock on anyone individually. It's just, I just think there was a lot of people thought they were going to regress. And I think they are going to regress from what they were last year. Uh, best team in the league net rating wise. Um, and they were the best regular season team and essentially a Chris Paul hamstring away from, from winning the title. But um, I just thought we, we saw them at two and seven or wherever they were. And we're like, well, they're not good anymore, and it's like, well, I mean, they're not good. Like, I just don't understand. It was just, it was just a weird, a weird sequence. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, obviously, um, unless they add some some high end wing uh, depth. Um, but I think they're going to be just fine in terms of making the playoffs and, and getting home court advantage. And um, I mean, if this if this Curry injury Curry injury lingers, I mean, they're only what four games back of the number one seed. I'm not saying they're going to get the one seed, but like. If they get healthy and, and Curry's out for another month or something, it's not inconceivable that they're they're uh, at the top. Um, yeah, I don't think we got the one seed, but but I don't think it's out. Of, it's not. It's early. They're they're fourteen games in. Um, it's not out of the the question that they get that one seed still. Yeah, spoiler alert for everybody. It's it's really hard to win. You know, sixty especially sixty five games in back to back seasons when you make the conference finals and play seven game <laughs> series. Like yeah, they were going yeah. to regress no matter what. And I, I thought they were going to win upper 50s. They could still do that. But, I mean, people, like, acting like they were, you know, evaluating them as a 65-win team, it's just so hard to win that kind of amount of games, you know, back-to-back years. Um, yeah, all right. So that's – all right, we're all buying. Wow. I want to see how many more we agree on. It, we're uh, so good, man. We're so good. Um, let's see do, we have any, do we have any money left at this point? I mean, like, <laughs> apparently I put all mine down on that take, so I – I might have to sell this next one. Yeah, Jackson. I mean, I'm Jackson's broke if you mention the Lakers position. All right, next one. Wizards, going to another slow-starting, disappointing team in the East. The Wizards will be a top-six seed, buy or sell? Uh, I'll let Corbin take this one first. Ooh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say take my money. I mean, I mean, and the reason I'm going to sell is, I mean – Ah, this is the thing, because I can't even use the argument I was going to say, which is that, oh, the East is so tough up top, because, yeah, it is, but it stops at five. Like, <laughs> like once it gets down to the Pacers, somebody has to be the sixth seed, and, I mean, I, there all these other teams just on town alone, the, oh, man, okay, I, I take my money back. I'm going to have to spend it now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to buy it. And this is tough. I want to make a strong take and say no. I really do, but I can't bring it to my heart to find a, a team that, We'll give them a run for their money after the sixth seed. Now, if you said, like, the fifth seed or the fourth seed, well, that would be inconceivable then. Um, <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to let one of you guys factor in, and then I'll come with a hot take, a more educated hot take after <laughs> I look at the numbers. All right. I'm going right. to I'm gonna bolster my wallet. I'm going to sell this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the Hornets are, are solid. Uh, I would pick the Hornets right now to be the sixth seed. Ah. Um, I know they're kind of the perpetual. They underperform their, their point differential, but – I think Borrego's kind of unlocked in modern offense for him. Uh, for as good a defensive head coach as Steve Clifford is, his offense was a little archaic. I think uh, Kemba Walker's been fabulous this year. Um, his his counting stats are pretty similar, but a lot of his advanced stats suggest a career year. He's shooting more three-pointers than like anyone besides Seth Curry in history. Um, and then with the Wizards looking through upcoming schedule, they could they could easily go through another tough stretch. Uh, so they play the they play the Wizards and Clippers at home next two games, and then they have the Raptors on the road, Pelicans at home, Rockets at home, Pelicans on the road, 76 on the road. So they won't lose all those games, but that's seven games right there where they can go one and six or two and five, and all of a sudden they're seven and 15. Uh, and then maybe the 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 uh, the, uh, the fire sale starts there. Um, I, I would still maybe pick them 
Well, I, I actually, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. I think, I think they're gonna sell. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this tough seven game stretch coming up. I just think it's gonna get so bad, and they're gonna be a, more than a quarter of the way into the year that uh, they're gonna trade one of their big pieces. Um, if I hadn't looked at the schedule, I, I was did something like the playoffs, but I like the Hornets to get that six seed. Um, so, so I'm selling this one. You know, when I was coming up with the topics for this, I was buying this, and then I kind of I looked at the schedule, and then what they did tonight also kind of factored in that they just laid a stinker against the Nets at home. Um, and you know, if they would have won that Nets game, they would have won I think three or four in a row, um, and I would have mm-hmm. felt a little bit better of them. They would have got some momentum. They would have been feeling a little bit better themselves. Then they get absolutely just you know they were just controlled. They, the Nets just controlled that entire game. Um, and so I'm selling. I, I like, like you said, the, what the Hornets are doing. I mean, they got the fifth offense and the 13th ranked defense. Um, they got the point differential of a really, really elite team. Of course, you know, they're not because they always kind of don't execute in close games and they always, you know, underperform their point differential, which is just a running gag, I guess, in the NBA in the past <laughs> couple of years, unfortunately for them. Um, they changed coaches and they still couldn't avoid it. <laughs> it really, I mean, we talked about this, Corbin and I talked about this last week, like, just can we just get Kemba, like, one really good teammate? Like, just Please. one, like, one Robin to his Batman would be so perfect. Hashtag Kemba Ballin. <laughs> um, who, who's their second best player? That I think that's a fun question. It really, uh, honestly, it really is. We could buy ourselves. Is it, is, uh, it, is it Zeller? Is it Batum? <laughs> is it is it Miles Bridges at this point? Is it Jeremy Lamb? Like, like I, oh, I don't know. I think I might go Zeller, but it, it's tough because none of those guys are ones that are like, oh, yeah, I have him in my top 50 or top 60, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Jeremy that, Lamb. That's a fun yeah. one. I like him too. No, I think he's a solid yeah. player. He's turned himself into a good piece. Um, but it's just funny because they have they kind of have three or four guys where you're kind of like, they're kind of good. I'm not like, I think Zeller is good and Batum's been good this year. Um, Lamb kind of has some weird things with his shot selection and defense at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bridges is still a rookie, but it's, yeah, it's a fun conversation because you're like, they have some talent, but they don't have anyone who can kind of like take the pressure off of. Uh, Walker on a, a night-to-night basis. The Wizards, I mean, yeah. Uh-oh. I was say, the okay. Wizards are so frustrating and disappointing that we spend our segment on them talking about the Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I was true. Say, I mean, <laughs> but anyways, I'm selling just to clarify that. I, you know, I have so, to. I mean, I mean, I, I was gonna say a hot take: the Heat will take the succeed, but no, I'm not gonna. I'm, I have some credibility in my name, so no. Um, I was gonna say, if anything, if the if the Warriors are like the coldest, most refreshing drink. The the Hornet. I mean, if the if the if the if the um the Warriors are like the coldest, most refreshing drink, the Hornets have to be like a bottle of warm water. Like, <laughs> like oh, they're just there. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. Man. It's I, like you. It's like you filled up a bottle of warm salt water and you're drinking yeah, and drinking that. There you go. It's like <laughs> you could be. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, I have strong feelings about the Hornets the last couple of years, but just so mediocre. Like you could say that for like the last three years since their playoff run. But again, you, Eric already mentioned we're talking about the Hornets on a Wizards question, so yeah. <laughs> my bad. Um, all right, yeah. So we're all selling Wizards will be a top six seed, um, and we'll move on to um, go to the doldrums of, of the NBA. And this next one, the Suns will have the worst record in the league. Um, I'm selling on this, even though I came up with it, but I'm selling on it. But I think it's gonna be close because on the one hand, I mean, I definitely think like you. Just given their propensity for just like the inconsistent effort and the the blowouts, um, they could honestly finish with the worst record in the league. But I just think the Cavs, one, they're terrible, but two, they're going to sell off some of their vets. I mean, hopefully they will um, moving forward. And then you know the Hawks, like they're so in on the rebuild that 
it's going to be really ugly, and they could honestly just end up finishing with the worst record. Um, I definitely think it's Cavs, Suns, and Hawks in the bottom three in some order, but I think I'd go with the Cavs with the absolute worst record in the league. Yeah, um, I am going to sell that as well. I think uh, I don't think the Cavs are good coaching or good talent. Um, where I think Phoenix has, I think I think Igor Kokoshkov. I think I said his name right. I might not have. Yeah, I think so. Um, I hope so. Um, anyway, I think they have some talent there. I think it's just taking time for them to kind of buy into his system. I think I, I read a report or a story that said they're just kind of struggling to kind of get guys to buy in um, and kind of adjust to this new system. Uh, so I think they're going to figure it out a little bit. Um, they they have talent. Obviously, like I said, I don't think Cleveland has anywhere close to the same talent. Like if this was a, a seven-game series, I'd still take the Suns in five. Um, I don't know how that ended up in a seven-game series. Um, and then with Atlanta, yeah, I mean – they're definitely a team who's really embracing the tank, but I really like Floyd Pierce. Uh, they've been fun to watch when I've caught a few of their games this year. Um, they have their, their offense is snappy. They move the ball a lot. Their, their big thing is they just turn the ball over a ton because they're a young team. Um, but, yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would put my money down on Cleveland being the worst team, so I'm going to sell Phoenix ending with the worst record. I think they'll be a little bit better than what we've seen so far. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do different and just say I'm going to buy it. And the reason I'm gonna buy it is because I think if the Cavs sell off some vets, then they will um, get they will get worse. So they'll be worse. They're already worse, in my opinion, just on how they play. But at the same time, I think there's some pieces. I'm not gonna say key pieces, but maybe you could move Trevor Reason. Maybe he'll get bought out. Maybe uh, well, Ryan Anderson's kind of stuck there. I think that the Suns can let go of some of their veterans. And I think if you take their five and the Cavs five, you know, minus any swing players, like just who they have moving forward. Um, no, I can't even make an argument for this. I'm just going to take them to be contrary, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah, because I really can't. Like, I'm trying to find – like, even with the sense I like DeAndre Ayton. I like Mikael Bridges. I like Devin Booker. Um, do I think, as the old NBA adage goes, are they ready to win? No, but, like, <laughs> I mean, they have more talent than the Cavs. If you took away all the veterans and you just had, what, Colin Sexton, um, Larry Nance Jr., uh, Jordan Clarkson, I mean, they're, they're, they're still a bad team. I, I just think – I'm, I'm going to put some respect on Cleveland's name and say that the Suns, they've just, they're used to losing. It's just in their culture and that even if the Cavs sell some pieces, I still think Phoenix will find a way, like they did against that Boston game, to just choke down the stretch. Now, wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. The Cavs, without LeBron, they are well accustomed to losing. The, yes, yes. But this is a different iteration of that. Remember? This is the squad that joined LeBron. Remember when LeBron mentioned with the squad? It's the same people. Like, nothing's changed. Except LeBron's gone. So I think that they have more potential to win. I don't know. They're more I, I I will not I will not push back against Phoenix losing the most games. There, there's just something off about them there. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Uh, like right, like I mean, Ryan Anderson wasn't good for for a, a top three team in the league, but he's still a, a whatever player. Now he's turned into an awful player. Whereas Reza was a key piece on that on that uh, Houston team, Trevor Reza. Now he's just turned into not good at all and. Uh, you look at a guy like Alex Len, who was just up and down a ton in Phoenix, and he's been fine in in Atlanta. Um, I'll, I'll I look at Tyson Chandler. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, there's just something weird going on there uh, um, in terms of their culture and their organization. So uh, I could totally see them, despite the good talent, and they play in they play in the, the West, which is tougher than than the East. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you could also point to the fact that Atlanta's playing without John Collins, who's might be their best player. Um, and obviously he'll, he'll help them a little bit too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, no issue with, uh, no issue with picking Phoenix to lose the most games this year. 
I have two theories on that, Jackson, on why Phoenix is just players act so weird when they're there and when they leave. First off, Robert Sarver, I think something from management down, you know, top down, the culture is set there and it permeates, you know, down to the players. Second thing, the heat out here is crazy. <laughs> this is coming from someone who is living in Phoenix right now. Um, it's cooler now, but it's something about this weather. Players just come here to just <laughs> lose all their talent, aka like like the monsters in in, in Space Jam. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, yeah, let's move on. It's enough negativity, I guess, um, and we'll move on to our next uh, take, I guess. Uh, and that is that one of Kevin Durant or Draymond Green will not be on the Warriors next season. Are you guys buying or selling this? I buy it. I I, I think there's there's too much smoke with this whole Kevin Durant is has a foot already up the door. Uh, not in terms of his play and whatnot, but there's just too much going on there. That I think he he's probably going to move elsewhere. I think there's kind of been a plan in place. Uh, get that three P, get your rings, and uh, move on to kind of be the the man again somewhere. Uh, and it, it could be both. Um, reading that that piece from Marcus Thompson a couple nights ago, it seems like there's some serious disconnect between Draymond and, and the organization nowadays. Obviously, he's been huge for them, but um, that's like that's a clear a clear signal siding with Durant by suspending uh, Draymond for a game. And obviously, that the quote came out yesterday with Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. Um, it seems like Draymond kind of crossed the line. I was in the camp that I didn't think calling him uh, that name was was an issue, but then. Kind of saying you know you know you know you are one uh, is more of an issue for me. Uh, are we allowed to cuss on this on this pod? Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, I think saying you know you're a bitch uh, is is the biggest issue. There. It's you, it happens all the time. You, you call each other names, but you, I mean you can say you're a bitch or or uh, screw you and stuff like that. But once you kind of say you know you're a bitch, I think there's a a little bit of a a line that's crossed. Um, so I think I think there's definitely been a fractured relationship between Draymond and the organization and. Uh, and it just seems like KD kind of wants to get get his rings, play for a really good team, and uh, move elsewhere after the season. So uh, I don't know if I I don't know if I think both guys are going to be gone off the year, but I, I I'm pretty confident KD will be elsewhere. Corbin, are you buying this? No. All right. Anyways, um, I'm buying this. Um, Wait. Oh. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was <laughs> muted, man. That's so crazy. I don't know how that happened. I'm, so, I was gonna say I've you had no thoughts last, at all. I was like, I've, <laughs> I've been talking for the last thirty seconds. I'm like, can y'all hear me? <laughs> Whoop, okay. No. <laughs> wow. I was saying that. Yeah, I'm broke because I feel the same way. I feel like one of them have to leave. It's not gonna be both, in my opinion. But it's KD. Jerry Jack already said he's going to LA. Like, why? Can't <laughs> man, at his word. Jared Jack, former Trailblazer, great. <laughs> there you go. No, but yeah, it, it's already been said. I mean, his brother's been making a lot of noise behind the scenes. Um, I think he said something on Instagram. He said something again after the incident with Draymond. That disconnect is very much there. And I feel of all the players there, you would ask, who would leave after, you know, a 3P in this? Well, Kevin Durant would. I don't think he's gotten the, ju- the um, validation that he thought he would get from winning. Here's, here's a hypothetical. Who who would leave after you're up three one in the Western Conference Finals against a seventy three and nineteen? Oh, because that same guy would leave a team after the three P. I'm not even not even against KD, but yeah. he's proved we've seen that you know he he's gonna do what he wants. Uh, he's he's, he's like, kind of a. He, I'm playing now. I did that. Yeah. I'm yeah. Kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I love that clip from that first year after KD left. Uh, Russ yeah. just jamming on the on the bench there. Um, but yeah, I just think we've we've seen that. Katie is going to be kind of a free spirit and do what he thinks is best for his own career. Um, and if he thinks kind of being the man and get maybe get an MVP or something like that is is best for his legacy, um, more power to him. 
So uh, I, I just think we've seen that the the smart decision, the best decision that we maybe think for KD is not always what he agrees with. So uh, he's a tough guy to gauge, but there's been a lot of reports that seems like he's on his way out, and uh, I tend to buy a lot of these reports. I mean, Marcus Thompson said he thinks he's out, and Thompson's probably the most plugged-in guy of the Warriors that we have. Um, he may kiss for hands or something, but uh, Chris Haynes. But I think I think Thompson probably takes a cake there for kind of being the the most plugged-in beat reporter for the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, I'm buying this, um, and really, I just kind of want to see KD, you know, as the man somewhere else, because we really have, I've never seen that. I mean, you know, once pretty much he was entering his prime, he always had Westbrook there, kind of taking away spotlight or taking away usage, then he went to the Warriors, so obviously he wasn't the man there. Like, I think it just would be very interesting to see if he went to a, a good but not great team, or just kind of just be, you know, came to be like the savior of a team, like the Knicks, a team that's been reported. Like, I just want to see him be the man and the numbers he can put up and what he can do. Obviously, the team would have to put something else around him, but just what he could do as the man, because we really have never seen it. Um, I think it's obviously easier for KD just to leave. I mean, he'll have, he's going to have most likely three rings and he can go be the man somewhere else and Draymond can figure out his things with the Warriors and deal with his next contract if they offer him that, um, which is a whole other issue, but I'm definitely buying that one of them is not going to be on the team next year. Can I do I have time for a bonus question real quick for you? Absolutely. Well, I have hearing you. Um, if KD did leave, would you um like what do you think? Would the Warriors win another ring? Depends where he goes, and it depends um, what other teams in the West do like next off season. Yeah. Too. Okay, because I'm thinking yeah. like like Curry's not going to decline horrible at all, right? Draymond depends if he, if he uh-huh. stays healthy uh, with Curry. Um, but yeah, Draymond's the interesting one because he's so clearly a fulcrum of what they do defensively and. Even as a passer, they let they let uh, Clay and, and Curry run off a lot of screens and cuts and whatnot, and let Draymond be a facilitator. So yeah, it's interesting to see what happens there. Um, if he goes, I mean, it seems like the the kind of the leader right now in terms of rumors is the Knicks. If he goes to the Knicks, I I, I don't think uh, they would really have a huge issue. Um, but yeah, as Eric, Eric said, it still matters what other teams do because moves on the margin can still make a huge difference. Um, if Chris Paul is still really good and the Rockets uh, land a land a, a guy like Bazemore or someone else, um, maybe they're they're better equipped. If Donovan Mitchell takes a huge step forward uh, this year, which he hasn't really proven to do so far, um, it changes things. But uh, and then Denver's kind of the, the dark horse there with a lot of young pieces with a lot of upside. So I think a lot of it just depends on exactly the other moves other teams other teams make, uh, especially in the West. Um, and if if Kawhi stays. Um, I think Toronto is still the best team in the East right now. Even though they lost tonight, and they've lost, I think, I want to say three in a row. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think it's just so tough to say in, in a vacuum if KD leaves. It's I just can't really make a prediction there. But I, on that kind of same same note, I I'm curious, like what what are the the most realistic outlandish spots you could see KD going? I think that's kind of a fun question. Oh boy, um, let's see. Let me pull veterans minimum OKC. <laughs> veterans minimum. <laughs> <laughs> you said outlandish, okay? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would love. I mean, it's not never going to happen. I would love for him to go to the Nets because I, that's just me selfishly because I love watching the Nets and I love so many of the guys that they have and I love what Kenny Atkinson has done um, to build that kind of culture there. I'd love to see that. It's not going to happen. But you said outlandish, so I go with the Nets as one possibility. Um, Let's see some other teams that would be really, really interesting. Like him just like going to like the Clippers, I think would be really interesting. Um, not the Lakers because they've already got LeBron and they'll, they can get some other star. But like him going yeah, to the Clippers would be more interesting to me than him going to the Lakers, in my opinion. 
Wow. I mean, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I'm talking about like outlandish. Like, I feel like it's more outlandish if he went to the Clippers and the Lakers. And I feel like it would be a little bit more agree. interesting. Like, I don't know. It would be definitely be fascinating if he went to the Lakers and seeing how he plays with LeBron and, and the younger guys that they got there. But I also feel like him just going to the Clippers and dealing with that mix mash of like veterans and also young guys. Um, that would be like a, a good playoff team, but maybe not like as good as like you know the top end uh, of the West. I think that'd be you know really interesting to see you know how he could figure it out there and what they could do with him there. Um, but I'll go with the Clippers and the Nets as two kind of outlandish teams that would be really really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, let's throw them in Denver. Let's do it. Oh, that'd be, I mean that would be just beautiful. But <laughs> the Nuggets decline uh, Millsap's team option. Uh, I think they would have a lot. I think because Millsap's deal is worth north of thirty million. Uh, Fit him in right at the three. Uh, do his thing. That'd, that'd be fun. Dream. That'd be um, that'd be basketball heaven. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. were dark horse um, for Dwayne Wade back in his day, so why not, right? Oh man, was that was it? Was that the twenty sixteen? Was that the year we went to the Bulls? Yeah, yeah they, were, that, they, they almost signed him. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you good thing. That was no, that was last summer, right? When he resigned, when he signed. No, I think it wasn't it when he was going to leave Miami. I think it I was. Remember? Yeah, he was leave Miami. That was twenty fifteen. No, sixteen, I think. Right. Sixteen left though. I think it was before he signed with the Bulls. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna look this up, but, but I, I'm gonna look it up. Twenty million dollars. <laughs> yeah. But my gut tells me it was the year before he left. Yeah. Um. Oh man, I. Because I remember. Oh, I was oh no, it was it was 2016. I was wrong. We got a we got a Woj tweet from July 5th, 2016. Sources: right, Free agent Dwayne Wade meeting with Denver Nuggets official on Wednesday in New York. Source: Story soon on the vertical. Um, throw it back. Yeah, that, that, that aged that aged well. <laughs> but yeah, that would I, was, be I, I was there with you though, Corbin. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, but I, I, I doubt it would happen. True. And I, the question I have here is: when we talk about um, um, with LeBron and and Kevin Durant, the reason why I think it's outlandish is because, and I'm a big LeBron James fan, as you guys know, I'm a big Lakers fan. But LeBron James and like playing with people, he just has his way of prime players like prime star players don't really want to play with him i don't know if that's like i I think it's had enough smoke to be a fire in that case because he's had multiple chances for people to come play with him and join up other than you know um chris bosh and Dwayne wade i think something from that must have scared others away because it just hasn't happened aside from kevin love in a trade or players like Kyrie who are already there and were younger you know what i mean how many people whiffed on them this this past i mean there wasn't i guess people that are really gonna switch teams but paul george being one he had what two chances now like, I mean, one when he wanted to be traded and the other was this free agency. Like, Jimmy Butler didn't really have him in his plans. Kawhi Leonard didn't have him in the plans. Like, and, and for leverage ploys, like, I think you would have the team you'd want to go on on your list because that's what it's about, right? Like, am I right? Am I – is something going wrong here? I just don't know about – I don't know about it. I mean, it certainly takes a certain something to play and, and enjoy playing alongside LeBron. Um He's handled. He handles the ball. He has a certain way he likes to play. Um, kind of the attention's always going to be him first, um, and that would be like really interesting if Durant, like if he actually wanted to play in that system, like alongside LeBron, and kind of be the second guy again. Um, but I, I do agree that there's like something to that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much I buy into it. I want to see how this upcoming free agency goes um, before I really fu- like fully buy into such a theory. But I do think there is something there about like it takes a certain something to kind of fit in and enjoy playing with LeBron. I would agree there. Uh, I got to run out for just a minute. I will uh, put myself on mute first. Quick second. I'll be back. All right. All right, all right. Um, so let me let's move on to our final question. We'll, we'll get Jackson back in um, later on. But. 
This final one, Corbin, the Eastern Conference Finals will be Raptors versus Celtics. Do you buy or sell this? Oh, I have I have to buy. I mm-hmm. mean, these are just the two best teams. If tonight's game, and it's funny that you ask this question on the eve of just this great overtime game between these two. Yeah. But there, there's no other team. They're, they're a step above. They're on that upper echelon. And then after that, you can kind of disseminate between the Bucks and the 76ers and then Indiana and the shifts fall where they may from there. But these two teams, especially when they're playing just the way that they do at their best, I can't see another team even at their peak. Give me Milwaukee with all their three-point prowess and Philadelphia finding the big three all working together. They're just not another team I think that can match up with these two in terms of just, I don't know, play style, execute it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, I think when it's all said and done, these are the two best teams in the East. And I feel like, most importantly, they're going to execute when they need to, you know, come playoff time. Um, you know, I love what the Bucks are doing with their more modern style of play. But they, but a couple of things about the Bucks to, to watch over the course of the regular season. Then, of course, you know, something that could, you know, creep up in the playoffs is that they turn the ball over a pretty good amount, which is not good. They don't create that many turnovers on defense, which is not good. And they also give up a lot of three-pointers. Um, according to Cleaning the Glass, they're 29th in the league in opponents' three-point attempt rate. Um, so they give up a lot of threes. Nice. They don't create many turnovers, and they turn the ball over themselves a good amount. That, those are three key ingredients for not a disaster, but for you know a bad recipe in the playoffs. Of course, this team has never won. This team with this core has never really won a playoff series. Not really. They've never won a playoff series you know, with, <laughs> with Giannis leading them. Um, I want to see. I think that Budenholzer. You know, they should be, if not a top three seed or top four seed, they should have home court advantage. They will be favored in the first round. I want to see with this more modern style of play, a better coach in Budenholzer, a little bit more personnel changes. I want to see how they how well they can do in the playoffs. I do have concerns about how well um, Lopez and Ilyasova can hold up come playoff time when other teams are going small and switching and everything like that. Um, and then you look at the Sixers, who obviously have a lot of top talent, um, but I think that really good defenses like the Raptors and Celtics can defend them well. I mean, even before they got Jimmy Butler, the Celtics almost always, every time they played them, you know, last year's playoff series, the first game of the season, they just provided such, such a blueprint for how to defend the Sixers so well. I think a team like the Raptors could also do that, um, especially when you given the lack of shooting and depth that the Sixers have. Um, and obviously we have to wait and see what other kind of subsequent moves they make over the course of the season to add more shooting, to add more depth that could help them in the playoffs. I mean, Bellinelli and Ilya Sober were, were pretty big for them in last year's playoffs, and they were, they were pickups on the buyout market last season. So we have to wait. But at this, po- at this point in time... Raptors and Celtics, I think, are, are the best two teams, and they also are the teams that are gonna. I have the most faith in to execute when they need to down the stretch. They're not really that easy to defend um, compared to a team like the Sixers, and I think that the Bucks, you know, while everyone's been kind of fawning over their hot start, um, more mo- modern style of play, unlocking Giannis, more threes, etc. I do think that there are things underneath that that could, you know, create some problems for them come playoff time. Yeah, I have to agree with you on all counts. That was. A thorough breakdown, but this that Eastern Conference Finals when it does happen, if both teams are healthy, man, I'd pay I'd pay good money to see that on on TV. <laughs> I mean, or, or like uh, uh, the second round back, series too. But, uh, but yeah, Jackson. Yes, yes. The question, by the way, if you missed that, is that the Eastern Conference Finals will be Raptors Celtics buy or sell? Um, as of now, I have to buy. Uh, I I th- I I heard everything Eric said, and I think all all valid points. I I do think that the Sixers are gonna. Find find a trade or two, uh, solidify mm-hmm. some shooting and wing depth. But yeah, as currently constructed, I have a tough time picking against those two teams. I, I think the Sixers are going to be really interesting to, to watch because they've been so reluctant to run a lot of pick and rolls and stuff with 
uh, just because they haven't really had a guy who's been able to create off the bounce and hit a bunch of pull-up jumpers and stuff. So uh, we saw a little bit more of that tonight with Butler. Um, he definitely took more of a, a primary role uh, against Orlando. He kind of just picked a spot to win a score. Uh, so I'm interested to see there. I think if they can kind of make it work with those three guys, right now it's kind of a your turn, my turn thing uh, with Embiid, Simmons, and Butler kind of picking their spots. So I think if they can find a way to make run more sets that kind of feature all of those guys at once, that's going to be really important. Uh, we saw more of it tonight. They ran a lot of dribble handoffs between Butler and, and Simmons, have Butler, uh, or excuse me, Simmons roll the basket and stuff. Um, but yeah, as of now, I think the Celtics and, and Raptors are still the best two teams. Um, but, but I do think as the year goes on, the Sixers are going to improve with, with kind of the fit and the dynamic of Butler. Uh, I'm not going to pick up a guy like Corver or someone else um, to, to get some more wing depth. I mean, right now they're playing Landry Shamit and Furkan Korkmaz 15, 20 minutes a night. Well, I think those guys are, are, are fine. Um, you definitely want a little more proven wing depth and shooting depth on uh, come playoff time. So, uh, I, I don't think I, I don't think that the Bucks are quite in that in that tier. Um, I think as the year goes on, we're going to see kind of a clear three separate. Um, nothing against the Bucks; they've been fabulous. They're clearly improved from last year, but I don't think there's quite enough high end talent to kind of compete, um, especially in a, a system kind of like Budenholzer, where you move the ball a lot, and um, and Giannis is a guy who can get you a bucket, um, but he's not a guy who can who can drain a bunch of threes and pull up jumpers and stuff. So. Um, I think there's still a team that could be a three or a four C, but I think right now we have the Raptors and Celtics top two. And as, as Jimmy Butler kind of gets more integrated, we'll see the Celtics, geez, not the Celtics, uh, <laughs> the, the 76 ers the Celtics almost treated for Butler like 70,000 times. Um, <laughs> um, I think as Butler gets more integrated into the Sixers and, uh, Brett Brown kind of, uh, changes his offense a little bit and, and whatnot, then we'll see them kind of improve but uh right now i think it's tough to tough to pick against that eastern conference finals prediction all right um that finishes up our buyer sell and that will wrap up our podcast just before everyone goes i have to update our hashtag randall watch um julius randall is now eight of 28 on threes this season that's 28 and a half percent um not what you want to see but again he's starting to shoot them a little bit more that's a good thing but of course we have to keep you posted on on hashtag randall watch um (laughs) all right yeah so jackson thank you for joining us our our first guest episode of the season i think it went pretty well um why don't you throw out where everyone can follow you and and find all your work yeah so you can follow me on twitter at jack frank underscore jjf uh and then you can find my sixers uh content at the athletic philadelphia and sb nation liberty ballers and then just my MBA, uh, my general MBA work uh, at Fansided is the step back. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros MBA. Check out all of our stuff at the 94 underscore on Twitter. Um, and check out our website, the 94feet.com. Corbin, where can everyone uh, in- interact with you? Um, at Corbin Ford MBA, you know, common theme there. Uh, also at the 94 underscore Twitter handle. A lot of stuff up there. I used that in my new best of 94 to get all of our. 94 feet content in one accessible spot for you all. Good stuff. Podcasts every day. Great plug. All right. Other than that, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just – I wanted to say a personal thank you before we all say another general thank you to Jackson. 
It's fun interacting with you on Twitter, so it's even more awesome <laughs> to have you on the pod. Um, keep up those Let's Talk Basketball that Eric has also adopted. <laughs> it's very fun as well. I'm sorry. I'm always wake up the next day to find them, but, you know, it's still okay. You'll answer my question anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they've all been a little bit of a hiatus recently, but, uh, yeah, I definitely – when I have free time, I like to do them again. But, yeah, it was it was fun during the summer to, to get get some thoughts. That's, that's the hot take time of the year, right, during, oh, during it's, August and It's September. so perfect for the off season. During the season, it gets a little bit tougher to do them when they're actually games on late at night or like stats yeah. to do or writing to do. But in the off season, it's just so perfect. You're right. You're right. We got to meet up, y'all. We got to meet up. <laughs> Absolutely. Hot takes in person. <laughs> One All of right. this, we'll, we'll talk hoops uh, live uh, some sometime. That'd yeah, be fun. Definitely. Maybe summer league. We'll do it. We'll get it right. <laughs> All right, guys. Random note. Uh, Anthony Davis had 43.17 rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block tonight. Uh, I just wanted to go and check, check the uh, Julius Randle watch, and that stat line popped out at me. Uh, wow. Five-point wow. the Knicks at home. I'm, wow. That, dude, that dude's pretty good. Yeah, just, he's, a he's, yeah just a little bit. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. Everyone have a great week of watching NBA basketball, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care. I right, y'all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.